Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 24. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your, with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder, and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Our scripture reading this morning for today's sermon this morning is from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, here beginning at verse 26. <clears throat> Indeed, may God uh, give us ears to hear and hearts that are eager to receive his word. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a holy city, or to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus. 
And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, take your word now and strengthen us in it, in it. And we ask that you would be our teacher, the one who leads us. Open our eyes and our hearts. Instruct us of your spirit. May we indeed be your disciples. We pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke, the gospel writer here, is a historian. He is one given over to details. Luke is writing his history. It's names and faces and words and circumstances. And as we think of Luke being a historian, it means that God is in the details. God himself is leading. God himself is, he's the one guiding in this storyline with Gabriel and with Mary and other circumstances that abound here. We think of that word history, his story, history. It's God's story. God is in control. God is leading and guiding in every respect regarding these matters here before this key character, Mary. He is in control. God is in control. Now, Mary, in our story, is wondering about God's control. Uh, to Gabriel, she says, this is the angel there with her. She turns to him and says, you're telling me a virgin, I will soon be with child. And then you remember those words that are laced with fear, laced with uncertainty. How can this be? <laughs> In so many words, she's saying, tell me again. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by this? Mary is concerned about God's control. How about you this morning? Are you concerned are you wondering about God's control? To Gabriel, the angel, she says, you're telling me a virgin, I will soon be with child. How can this be? You see, sometimes we think about when we wonder about God's control, when we pause and we reflect saying, Lord, are you really in charge? Are you really leading? Are you really guiding here? We start thinking to ourselves that our lives would be a little bit better and they would be humming along if, in fact, we actually knew about your control, God, actually embraced your control, God. 
Are you wondering about his control this morning? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, there is a place for everything and everything has its place. You like that. You like things in their places. You might put it this way. It's my calendar after all, therefore it's my life. Here's another way. I really enjoy that me time. It really counts. It really counts for me. We sometimes wonder about God's control. The teaching point in the passage here being made plain for us as the story unfolds is that we need to get out of the way. That's the teaching point. We need to get out of the way. You see, it's, it's the, the window through Mary's own life. We, we, turn, we pull that curtain back and we look through her life. We look through that window of her life and we see that she's eager to get out of the way saying, what's this all about? What's happening here? You really mean this? As she's speaking to the angel. Yes, God is guiding. Yes, God is leading. And isn't it fascinating? Somehow from verse 34, she gets, Mary gets from how can this be down to verse 38. Look at verse 38. She gets on down to 38 and it's, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. How does that work? How do we get to that place? To where with Mary we say, Lord, I am your servant. You lead, your guide. May it be done to me according to your word. You are in control. There are two lessons we want to pull out of the passage regarding this matter of turning to the Lord and, yes, seeing that he leads, seeing that he guides, seeing that indeed it's his story that's being written here and we're called to be servants. Briefly, really brief, is to see God's power in this story. And then secondly, to look at the one that's promised. In looking at the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is promised there indeed, Mary has that reinforcement. Okay, may it be done unto me according to your word. First, it's God's power. Look at verse 34. She's asked, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now look at verse 35. It's God's power. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Here's the plain principle at work. The Bible consistently is telling us the Lord and his wisdom and power, the Lord and his wisdom and his love, he is working. It is the Lord who is working. That is the plain principle of the Bible. Here we have the words, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Look at the facts. Look at the facts how God, indeed, is leading and working. God sends the angel. God gives that word through Gabriel. God understands Mary's insecurities. Don't don't be afraid, Mary. That's in the passage. And then there's the Lord's presence and the Lord's own loyalty. That's featured. You have found favor with God. God's loyal. God is faithful. You see, this is the ordinary working of God with his people. God is in control. He comes in his lordship. He comes in his power. He comes in his governing ways. He governs all his creatures and all their actions, as our confession speaks about. You see, providence is always on time. God's leading is always word-filled, promise-oriented. His presence with us means he will guide us. 
And even our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, he himself, our Savior, entrusted himself unto his Father. Remember those words, I've come to do my Father's will. Our Savior gave himself unto his Father for service. Our Savior gave himself unto, the, unto his Father in that service that indeed he knows his Father is always working, even as Jesus is always working. His Father's always guiding, even as Jesus is entrusted with that stewardship to follow. His Father is always leading, and Jesus is giving himself over to the Father's plan. Father, I'm here to do your will. I know you are in control. I am here to do your will. And so God sends, God gives his word, God understands, God is loyal with his presence. What's happening? Mary is being discipled. And toward the end of the story, she's able to say, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, secondly, secondly, there's something about this message of this one who is to be born. That is that reinforcement to Mary, reinforcement about this entrustment, this stewardship, she herself now being the one through whom the Savior would be born. Secondly, it's the one who is to be born. It's the fact of Christ's coming. He comes into the world, and as the passage is going to underscore for us, he comes, that one, to assume that full human nature for us, and he comes as that one who's fully divine, the two natures and the one person who lives forever, the two natures, fully human, fully divine. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, and something here gets reinforced in Mary's thinking. It's part of the reinforcement. May your word be done, as you've spoken, she's going to say. Look first with me about this one who is to be born at his humanity. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. What's being underscored for us here? It's his human nature. You will conceive, she is told. A miraculous conception. You will conceive in your womb. You will bear a son. This is the language of being very fleshly. It's our human nature. It's a very earthly womb. It's a very earthly woman. A very earthly process of contractions and pain and muscle spasms and loss of blood. The Bible tells us she will bear a son. This is the son who is to be delivered to the world. So what reinforcement do we get that, yes, God is control. God is leading and guiding. What is the reinforcement about the humanity of Christ that is our, a stronghold for us, a point of faith for us, a point of being grounded upon for us? Well, in overcoming this sin that man is at the center, overcoming this sin that man is in control, it's remembering God's plan to be our very representative, to be like unto us with that human nature that we have. He enters into this world. He enters into our circumstances. He is bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. He is son of man, Jesus of Nazareth, born of the Virgin Mary, born of the woman. Now think with me, a little thought experiment here. I guess we could suppose in an imaginative, imaginative way that somehow, somehow, possibly... 
God could, it's just, you know, as we say these words, God could create his son in heaven and deliver him in full humanity on earth, from heaven to earth this way. But you see, we wouldn't get then, what, the biblical teaching that he's of the woman. He is of man. It'd be hard to see his full human nature. Yes, the miraculous uh, point of the virgin birth, as much as it signals the sinlessness of our Savior, it also signals confidence that this one knows me. This one knows my circumstances. This one knows me thoroughly in my flesh, experienced similar emotions, similar physical realities, hunger, thirst, tiredness, anxiety, pain, attitudes related to the evil going around, attitudes about misunderstandings, about mockings, and more. He knew what it is to be taught. He knew what it is to be humble. He knew what it is to learn, to pray. He knows our troubles, our distresses, our sorrows. The Bible tells us that in the time of being in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in quote-unquote agony. It's like what the book of Job says, though he slay me, I will trust him. Jesus is our pattern. Why? Because he's our life. He's given over to his father, fully human, serving his father and living for us his father's plan. The father guides, the father provides, the father secures And the son is the one following in that stewardship, in that life, giving himself over to his father. And he lives it out for us in this world. Where is your faith this morning? Are you trusting in the fact that Jesus is your representative, knowing where you are vulnerable yourself regarding being tied into your own circumstances, thinking that it would surely be best if I had a little bit of an edge here or an edge over there, if I had a bit more knowledge over there, or I could speak into this over there, or just fact, just, just wipe away something over here. If I were only that much more in control, we might be thinking, but you see, the gospel meets us face to face in this too. Jesus comes and he knows our circumstances. It is so fascinating to think about this now. Over in the Gospel of Matthew, over in the Gospel of Matthew, we learn about his own hometown people. Uh, Jesus, in his growing up years, Jesus up until about age uh, 30-ish, he spends his time in Nazareth. And people there in Nazareth knew that he was one fully human. Listen to the words out of Matthew. When Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his own hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom, these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother uh, called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Isn't that interesting? They are not at all doubting the humanity of who Jesus of Nazareth is. Of course, they get it wrong. They miss his deity. They miss him that he's very God of very God. They miss that. 
But he's so fully human that those who lived near him and saw him and associated with him saying, who is this man? We know he's the carpenter's son. (laughs) Are you doubting this morning? He knows. Are you crippled by sin, some nagging guilt? He's lived that sinless life for us as your substitute. Are you lacking courage? Are you double-minded about some opportunity before you? Jesus has overcome the world. He told his disciples, I am leaving this world and I'm going to my Father. Jesus has conquered sin and death. He rose from the dead. He continues to exist in the body, in heaven. He's our ascended Lord and he's our ascended Savior, ever interceding, praying for us. Now look at his deity. The passage, again, is reinforcement for Mary and her concerns. Verse 32 about his deity. He will be great. Let's go on. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Look at verse 35. Speaking again about his divinity. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You see, the greatness of the one coming from her womb is none other than the very one who is very God of very God, as we confessed a little bit ago. God Almighty in the flesh. God Almighty in the flesh. I like what the old writer J.C. Ryle says, Faith never rests so calmly and peacefully as when it lays its head on the pillow of God's omnipotence. (laughs) Are you tempted with control issues? God is all-powerful. In his power and through his Son, he is there at hand to buoy you up. Almighty power. Now what's coming at us in this passage about the deity of our Savior, fully man, fully God, two natures, one person, What's coming at us is this miracle of the virgin birth. So what does that tell us for for that rebar that we need in that concrete to give us that foundation of grace and strength for daily living? What is this virgin birth about? It's telling us that salvation is all of God, it's all of grace, and that God in his wisdom ordained the virgin birth And that the reality of the conception that takes place within Mary's womb is the power of the Holy Spirit. This one is very God. And that means what? Your sin is covered. Your weakness, your frailty, your propensities. He's come to restore. He's come to give you that new life with that strengthening of grace to walk the walk that he calls you to walk. This one who is born of Mary is worthy and able to atone for your sins. The Bible right here says in verse 35, the child to be born will be called holy. He himself is the righteous one. And you see, God's heavenly holiness demands earthly holiness. It must be an exact correspondence, match for match. A man who is a man with a full human nature, a man who is God, who is fully holy by his divine nature, we need Christ to turn back sin and indeed to cover our sins 
that we might be restored to him and have strength. Listen to what the prophet Habakkuk says. You who are pure with pure eyes than to see evil, and you cannot look at wrong. Habakkuk is reflecting upon the fact that God is the one who's altogether pure and cannot even, can't even stand the evil in his sight. This one who's most pure, most holy, it's only the payment of one who is most pure, most holy, who can meet such demands. And Christ is our Redeemer. But then secondly, not only are your sins covered, but indeed his righteousness is provided for you. And that's that equipping. That's that new life of living. Reconciled to God, justified, vindicated before him through Christ, and now to walk that walk in Christ where God indeed looks upon your life through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The old hymn, we've heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. (laughs) Listen to the book of Hebrews. He is the one who sanctifies the people with his own blood. Sanctifies the people. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, God has secured the guarantee of salvation, God in the flesh for me. Not only are sins atoned for, but righteousness is credited to us. And the walk that we walk now is in Christ. Faith in Christ, living in Christ. And our Savior secures that for us. Now Mary, just to finish up here. Mary in her world is getting rocked, as we say. She shows this fear, this insecurity, Have things now, are they just crumbling around me? What's all of this about? What does this mean? How can this be? And yet, she's given that word of great power. The Spirit will overshadow her. God's working. God's leading. God is the one who will bring this son. And as well, these reminders that this one to be born fully human, fully divine, is Savior and Lord who comes to indeed be the very one that Israel needs, be the one that Mary needs, be the one that we, Good Shepherd Church, we need. So she moves from that place, how can this be, to behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Where is your faith this morning? Christ is Lord and Savior. Christ is the one who redeems. Christ is the one who gives us that glad obedience. Is your faith in Jesus? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would minister to us this word and strengthen us in every manner of grace. May it be that we would know that you have provided fully for our sin that we have a place of that eternal rest, eternal status and standing with you. But as well to know that in our day-to-day, you are the one working, you are the one guiding. And as we turn to you, you will be the strengthener of our hearts. Bless us and lead us, we ask. We pray now your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.